Last time in a service industry far, far away. Geek Force landed in Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels as they geared up to discuss Ahsoka. Going good? Going great? You'll have to listen to find out. Let's see what's in today. Now, all Geek Force. Welcome to Geek Force, the show where pop culture rules all. I'm your host, Kat, and with me today we have the lovely G-Squad of Amy, Marlon, and Ray. Welcome back, you guys, to our brand new episode. How is everyone doing? Sound like Ray wants a surprise. <laughs> Whoa. I'm always a surprise. <laughs> Marlon and Ray. <laughs> like, like you just walked in the room like, Ray! Hey, Ray. <laughs> Hey! You forgot he was there for a second. Um, no. I, I think uh, I think Marla's just still surprised because after our uh, Eming did her best Scarlet Witch impression last night uh, with our Baldur's Gate three play, so I think he just he was reacting all over the place. Uh, that he's just he's just not ready for. Uh, I've never seen him so mad before. At me. I was like, this is so no, I was just this very new. It was it was hilarious because Camille kept coming again like why are you like what's happening i was like emig is just a little gremlin she's touching everything in the store she can't help herself like listeners we played Baldur's gate last night and i kid you not at some point eming goes to steal something we get the cutscene and says hey someone's watching you i then hear a giggle and then another cutscene of her still taking it and it's just like she's like i i i ignore all the rules i want to do it anyway it was great i appreciated it i love it it was a good time. I, it was a I good time. Appreciate it. Yeah, even uh, also showed us that you can die ten minutes into the game if you so see fit. You can just I didn't yourself. know that was an option. They could just take your soul know. from your body. That <laughs> <laughs> was just I wasn't expecting that. I was having a moment. I thought we were having a, like an emotional moment of like I understand your evilness, and then maybe I die. <laughs> So, no, but from like our point of view, it's like you're standing, and actually, you no, know, you're on the ground. And I was like, huh? and it was like, fight. Like, True <laughs> moral of the lesson. <laughs> I don't even know. Moral of the lesson: Honestly, don't trust the mind flare. Was... Don't. Yeah. I mean, who knew? Who knew? You look like a very innocent, trusting face, right? Uh, yeah, those are the hard ones. Those tentacles <laughs> look <laughs> real tasty. To me, and there's um, a cutscene for that too. Anyway, cat. <laughs> lovely talking about all the happy things, but we we actually have a lot of great news. Uh, knowing that the Writers Guild of America has been on strike for about 148 days this week on uh was it September 27th was the last day of the strike officially. Um, the negotiations was sent out. The workers agreed to it. Um, papers were signed, filed, I'm like signed, sealed, delivered. Um, and some of them are already heading back to work with these new negotiations that will actually support and help them in, 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 in their workplace. Like, it, this is the stuff that we've been talking about, discussing about, fighting for, arguing about. And it took them so long, but they did it. And as long as like you know that's great for them, we still have our actors still um, picketing, which hopefully that will be soon too. But I think we should take this moment to kind of discuss like what went on and uh, the stuff that went down, and what are the new um, agreements for the writers to accept this. Well, uh, looking at great question, look, looking at this, uh, I, mean, just... I think the thing that like, sums it up for me is they asked for if we if I'm looking at the bottom of this thing, they asked for a deal that got the writers mm-hmm. 429 million a year. The Afri- the 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 producers the original counter or the last counter before Countered. this was 86 million a year. Uh but they got a two hundred and thirty-three million a year, so they they met them halfway eventually with this. Like right, they were like, "Okay, right. fine, mm-hmm, yeah, we can, yeah." And like I think of the the list, you know, from the if you go to the WGA contract twenty twenty three, you can go to uh, their homepage and click on what we want if you want to fully check out all the details. But 
of the, the major things they won, um, some of them were as follows. Uh, artificial intelligence. They asked to have regulated use of that on um, you know, covered content and projects. They now got that. So they now are going to assist with regulating it. Writers can elect to use AI when performing. Um, there's a lot of just protections for them in regards to AI. And we know that folks like Netflix have been investing in more AI folks to come over because they're seeing it as a future. So they did win that deal. Um, they won big on pension and health. Um, they got an increased health fund contribution rate by 0.5% in the second year of agreement, which is really important. Um, and each member of the team, you know, gets pension and health contributions as they were as if they were writing for uh, an individual when they're, whenever they're on a team as well. So instead of like spreading out the mix, who gets to get what, they all get coverage at, as individuals, even if they're working on a team in the writer's room. Um, they got more residuals when it comes to streaming, which was big. A lot of these folks who've been on shows like The Bear were like, hey, you know my show, The Bear, everyone loves it. I'm not making a lot of money off of that, even though I'm on it. And like, I'm on the posters and the advertising and all the commercials. like. I'm not getting a lot of it. Um, they're getting residuals based on sub subscriber count, which leads to the other big thing is that streaming services get to give the writers and folks involved in the show a look back at those numbers. So instead of saying, hey, your show is good, and that's just how they know, they can actually you know, show the numbers. There's a lot more transparency when it comes to how they're getting paid when it comes to streaming. And for the most part, that I think is going to be a big deal for all these shows that are going direct to streaming that don't get television deals. Um, and also it's important to know that episodic TV is still getting some work. They also get increased weekly rates for staff writers, story editors. They're getting an increase on their end as well in compensation, as well as they're getting fees. They're getting pilot and backup premiums. A lot of protection is coming into their hands in a way that they've been fighting for. Uh, and we're just excited for them, happy for them. A lot of shows are going back to writing. Um, it sounds like the late night boys are going back to their shows now. They've wrapped up the streaming podcasts and are going back to television, I think, this Monday for some folks. So it looks like, hey, the writers won, and I'm excited to see you know the benefit of this moving forward. But what do y'all think? What are some uh, things you're looking forward to or some takeaways from this? I get, uh, well, as of airing tonight, so, you know, when y'all listen to this, it'll be out a couple of days. I get John Oliver back in my life tonight. Like, they they, they put out a, they were immediate. They got back in the writer's room on Wednesday and put together, like, an episode in a couple of days. Uh, and so. Dang. Probably on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, or something better. Uh, probably on this. Probably, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff in the news going on, so they they the have yeah, going shut down to talk about like they, they have a bunch of things, but it's just it's just nice that like everybody was like itching to get back to work and they got something and you know all of these live all of these like live programmings and and things like that like they were ready to go immediately. Um, that and like some of these shows that like ABC and HBO have been like really trying to push forward these like Abbott's already back in the writer's room and all your classic Grey's Anatomies and all these things. If you if that's what you care for, you know, they got back to work writing immediately. Uh, HBO was like, hey, uh, we need to get back to work on White Lotus, Euphoria and Last of Us like immediately. Mm. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff that just like got kicked off like real fast, which is definitely something to look forward to out of all of this because uh, I'm sure these writers were itching to get back to work for a while. Uh, as fast as John Oliver got back to work, is uh, I would be surprised to find out that some of these writers had just been like, well, this looks like this deal is getting is getting decided, so I'm going to start writing on Monday and just tell no one. Right, like, right. <laughs> so, Kat? Yeah. Um, I find it interesting in um, how they were measuring streaming, uh, like how Netflix can measure a show's success and then reward that team. Like if they are, you know, going past expectations, even rewarding them a bonus on top of their base pay. And it kind of reminded me when Ray was talking about Unity and how they were going to keep track of downloads is a very similar process of, it is going to be up to the corporation to be very clear with their numbers, um, providing paperwork 
And I think even being audited, like, I think that was on paperwork of like, you will get audited just so we know you're not, you know, lying. So yeah, you can provide the numbers to make sure everyone's getting what they're supposed to. And I'm like, that is genius. Cause like for the longest time, since I want to say 2020, when we had streaming to like, to get us through everything, um, there was no way to measure how people were going to get paid. How are people, uh, like actors, cast and crew, how they were getting their benefits and stuff because no one had figured it out. That's why it was so easy to take advantage. So it took us three years later for them to sit down pen and paper to, to, to figure out to have these people come back to work, to give them what they need, what they were supposed to anyway, to figure out a process that I'm like, wow, like this is the beginning. Like as far as like for writing and the crew, Maybe something for the actors, maybe something for the video game uh, devs, animation. You know, they are talking about doing their strike next year. So I'm just like, this strike was really huge this year and overcoming a lot of stuff that I think to the public, you know, we aren't really, we don't really know everything. So for them to break it down of what they won it kind of was like wow it's way more complicated and i'm glad like finally somebody was like this is how we're going to measure things this is how people are going to basically get what they need um my hope is that this is something that they can build on to be better because this is hollywood people are greedy strikes happen a lot so i'm hoping like this will be the basis of okay, so how can we go better from here as knowing as knowing that AI will be used in the future and stuff and how Hollywood is just changing drastically with their workers. I am just amazed that, okay, this to me is something in my lifetime new, like this is a, like this is history. And so what does that look like moving forward? That is, that is my uh, concern, I guess. Um, in that. Hey, we're going to see, you know, and also it's going to be really interesting to see all those folks who were uh, naysayers about the strike in the first place and making comments about it, whether they be comedians or podcasters or even uh, a, a superhero in Queen City who just, you know, couldn't help himself. We'll see what this uh, ends up resulting in, because again, they were very clear. We're watching who's behaving and how they're behaving during these strikes. So when the strike is over, it's going to dictate a lot of what we can do and what we can offer to certain people. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this affects uh, all the celebrities that were kind of stepping out and saying, the strike is ridiculous. Y'all need to be doing all that. So that'd be interesting to see the fallout of that. True. How are they like, yeah, I mean, they're not part of us anymore, but like, what does that actually mean? Of the Amel brothers, one of them should be fine because we still need to see uplink Robbie's or upload winning. season okay. thirteen. Robbie. <laughs> Robbie's Steven. It's, it's funny that of those two, <laughs> I feel because Robbie was in, and they're just the Amel brothers. Like, I, it's hard to yeah, it's hard yeah. to have high respect for either of them at this point because Robbie was up to something years ago. I remember hearing, and I just don't remember what it was now in this moment in time. Uh, I just re- definitely remember. Us being like Robbie, what you Those doing? Those are boys. Uh, so, <laughs> yep. We'll see. And lastly, as we wrap up on the WGA talk, I do want to mention that they also get bonuses now for streaming for shows that are viewed by twenty percent or more of the servicers' domestic subscribers in the first ninety days of release. They get a bonus. Which I was surprised by because I'm like, wait, you mean these shows that people are saying this is the number one view thing on Netflix? They don't get any extra money for that? And it turns out, no, they don't. Um, these shows that pop up, I was like, oh, this is the hottest thing on streaming. They already got that money that they were already agreed to get and they get nothing else. But now they're like, great, we're going to attach in a bonus because, hey, if your show is really good, it would make sense that you, a writer who helped make it really good, see a chunk of that change it just seems fair but it's surprising that it's like oh wait y'all did not have that no like think about all the people who like especially for me the squid games 
creator who did not get paid the way he should have been and they made so like they made so much money i mean that's why we have a freaking reality show about it um and then they you know he said he didn't want to do a season two he had to write a season two so my other question from this is how is this affecting the international market um, is this will this also be an offered thing to them knowing that especially Netflix on their side they are relying on they have a whole open mar- international market especially from South Korea so I am very curious if, um, if that if you, will be helpful for them too I think they probably might have to be the WGA to get it but it does mention that there is like a foreign uh, market aspect to this as well, like domestic or foreign residuals. So, I guess it'd be like they would have to join some chapter of it um, to garner those same protections. Um, but I mean, that's just my blanketed, non-experience uh, guess. Yeah. At it. It's messy, but I am so glad that the writers and crew are getting exactly what, well, not exactly, but they're getting what they have been like they've been picking, like, they've been outside for so long since the beginning of May um, or the end of May or yeah, beginning of May for the writers. And then the actors was right, right before June. So like, that's to me, that's the entire summer they were out there and they knew that they couldn't falter, you know, uh, Bob Iger and all the big money people were like, we're not going to give in. We're not. And I'm like, where are they now? Like, I haven't heard anything from them. Well, they can't say, what are they going to do? Talk shit about the deal? Like th- He that, already talked shit about them before want, I mean, the now, deal. like the, fi- the photo quote finalized or whatever they have on the table. Like they're not. If there's one thing we should never be surprised by, it's a white man's <laughs> audacity. So let's yeah. just. Let's just let's just not let's just not place that bet against that white man. And be out there like this is ridiculous. I don't like it at all because nothing's going to happen to him. He's Bob Iger. Nothing's like, going to happen. But I just want to hear from his mouth. Like what you got? This say? man said matter. we need to wait until they can't afford their rent anymore. Like it, it's this man has already gone. Like he doesn't care. So I don't think he can say whatever he wants to say, and it's going to be still Bob Iger's money at the end of the day. But True. yeah, it's fine. I just I'm so glad that they they won and so i am hoping to see it for the sag team um for the video game team for the video team and the animators and the visual effects people who uh you unionized throughout all this too for everybody that's on strike because 2023 is the year of the strike this is true (laughs) everybody this is very true even like they're out there we're we're pro union do your thing unions do your thing yeah starbucks go ahead everybody go ahead (laughs) (laughs) yes yes so that was great news on that front um moving on so as you know i am doing a i guess like a spooky series for myself uh specifically for uh black and brown characters in spooky uh situations because that's just the season for it uh last time was the other black girl this time, I'm going to talk about Interview with a Vampire. I'm sorry. Uh, Did you say spooky or sexy? I, I apologize. I mean, <laughs> it kind of goes hand in hand. So Interview with a Vampire is very sexual. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, we saw what we do in, what we do in the shadows. Like, that's not all sexy time. <laughs> you know what? I, I think I will say the original one was very sexual. Like, uh, with Antonio oh, Banderas. Yes. And that whole crew, it was hypersexual. <laughs> Oh, you thought that was hypersexual. Let me tell you about the show. So, the fact that Travis calls it uh, your horny vampire show, like, that, <laughs> he just go watch your horny vampire show. This is an understatement. But I do want to start with this show, Interview with a Vampire, comes on AMC. This is a channel I had, like, thrown out after finishing Walking Dead, like, what, season five? I stopped. Season six, what are, somewhere around there. I just after they killed, watching they killed Glenn. basically i stopped so that's so many years ago um so for me to get into amc show i was kind of already hesitant because i'm like eh the good times was mad men breaking bad and all that haven't seen that but i have heard interview vampire was very very good all last year nonstop. i wanted to see it 
Uh, HBO is doing a temporary thing where they are taking first season AMC shows um, on their app for only a limited time before uh, October 31st. So I would highly recommend any show, even beyond Interview Vampire, check it out before you know it's gone because a lot of the great shows they have on there are like the top shows of AMC at, at the moment. And I think it's the promo to get you to sign up for AMC+. Plus. Um, probably, but I like that they took the time to kind of, so I didn't have to, you know, buy AMC. I like that I was able to watch an HBO, but beyond that, so as you know, Interview with a Vampire is written by the great Anne Rice. Uh, this, as a child, well, I was, I was about a teenager. I read this book because I was like, ooh, emo vampire stuff. This is my, uh, I would say my... By welcoming into the vampire world. This is my first book where I was like, oh, I thought vampires were like, you know, like the count on Sesame Street or the, the count on the <laughs> chocolate uh, syrup box. Those were the things with vampires. Like, that, I didn't know what to do. Uh, so, so <laughs> I'm sorry. What? The count on Sesame Street. <laughs> can, we, can we say this again? In your mind, Kat, a vampire <laughs> would just come to your house and try to teach you numbers. <laughs> the monsters and stuff like i wasn't into that stuff when i was a teen but when i read in rice i was like wait this is a this is different um, <laughs> understatement these, these these vampires don't count at all <laughs> yes they don't count at all also the movie came out I, I saw the movie after seeing the book and i'm glad you mentioned that marley because it did have tom cruise and brad pitt and Antonio mm. Banderas in the 90s. You at already their know peak. how it is. At their peak. At, at, peak. Their, at their peak. It uh, <laughs> also had a young Kristen Dunst as the as Claudia. So she was, again, at her peak because that's when she was getting movie after movie after movie as a child actress. So it was like a big movie. Um, but this, this came out in last year in 2022. They changed the whole story up. So now we have the main character who is Louis. He is portrayed by Jacob Anderson, as we know as Grey Worm from Game of Thrones. Uh, he he is the main character. We have um, Sam Reed doing Lestat, and then we have Bailey Bass as Claudia. The thing I love about the story is, yes, we did change for almost like a historical fiction thing. Louis is now a Creole man in 1910s New Orleans. Um, I like that it was more of like a, a social commentary, a social commentary type story. Where, as a black man at this time, uh, it was kind of hard to do everything that the rich white people were doing. But because in his story, his father had created a sugarcane business and then died, and Lou, and their family was living really well off of it. Louis had to become basically uh, a pimp and have brothels in New Orleans to have the money to make sure his family lived well so his sister can marry, you know, a well man. So he was into the, I'm dealing with being black, but then I'm doing stuff that I don't like because family. So I like literally episode one starts off in a way where 15 minutes in, you know, this show is going to be not an average show. I'm like, the characters were rich. Like they're very rich from like the book. If you read, if you have ever read the book, you know, when you're starting a story, like, oh, I'm getting pulled into something that I'm not expecting. I would say this: the first episode of this does the same. The cinematography is incredible. Like, it, I love the way everything is lit by candlelight. I love how just everything's shot, like, very richly. It does portray a nice uh, 1910s New Orleans. And I went to New Orleans, like, two weeks ago before I saw this. I was just, like, everything was really fresh in my mind and where they were shooting these scenes. Having all that said, technically, uh, the acting is just, it, it, I don't know, it felt very real. And I felt like Louis was a person that I can actually um, cheer for, pity for, like everything. Because in the book, you're, I always pity him. I was like, boy, you got yourself in a bad situation. You shouldn't have done it. But now that we have a different Louis where he's do, dealing with uh, not only like his race, uh, his family, his religion. He's even dealing with his sexuality. And I was just like, they're giving him layers that that I didn't know he needed. And it made the story richer. So by the time he's meaningless at, it becomes a situation of um, 
the theme that I would say why I started the spooky series for myself um, as a black character, if you're given the power to basically uh, fight the naysayers, rise above people who are trying to basically destroy your, your existence, would you take that power? But if you take that power, what are you giving up in return? So like we saw that in the clone Tyrone, I saw that in the other black girl in this one. It, there is a scene where Lestat comes to him and he says that same line. It's a very powerful scene. And Louis was just like, I, I want to say yes, but I felt like if I say yes, I will never be the same person again, obviously. So, of course, you know, he says yes to become a vampire. And when he becomes a vampire, he is realizing like, wow, I can pretty much do whatever I want. But then this to the cost of his humanity and that's when, like, episode one ends. And then it's like, now we got to see. Another thing I like of this beginning of the tell is in the book, he's being interviewed by uh, a, a journalist in San Francisco in 1970s. So this, the book is set in the 1970s. The movie also sets in the 1970s as he's looking back in the 1910s, 1920s. This is actually set in 2022 where the journalist is the same guy who had interviewed Lestat before, or not Lestat, but Louis before, but because of a disagreement, they went their separate ways. Uh, and then, you know, 40, 50 years later, he, uh, Louis reaches out to that same man who now has health problems, a divorce. The COVID pandemic is going on. That is mentioned a lot on this show. And so... Louis knew he would still be the journalist that he needed to talk to because he wants to try again and tell his story. The way they're setting it up is they're in Dubai. Louis has this high-tech house so he can just walk in the light and stuff. It's it's really cool. And they're filming the interview like a podcast, which I was like, this is this is what we do now. So to even do that, I appreciate that that perspective because that's really smart they're still using dialogue from the book into the show which i still appreciate and it never loses i feel like it never loses what Anne rice created it, 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 it actually enriches it with the dialogue and there's just so much layering between connections with characters there's connections with the interviewer his name is daniel and louie like they kind of hate each other because of how they met those 50 years ago and when he interviewed him the first time. So they're kind of like, you know, you got me fucked up and how you were saying all this. And then, you know, Daniel was not a, he's an asshole, but you know, he was trying to get the story. So they kind of even revisit like, you know, the last time I saw you, you weren't a cool guy. They're still not cool with each other, but they respect each other because Louis wants to tell his story for some reason. And Daryl's trying to figure out why. So there's scenes where Louis, you know, shows his past and Daryl will break, he interrupt his, uh, interrupt his story because he's trying to figure out, you know, you're a monster. Like, you know, you, you want, like, why do you want the world to see that? And Louis trying to break it down in social economic terms of like, yeah, but I'm trying to humanize my experience because I still have that part in me and I'm trying to keep that. Um, again, that is shown beautifully. Um, I'm going to get to Lestat because as much as Tom Cruise is a big star, nothing compares to Sam Reed's Lestat. Like, this is a tall, blonde, blue-eyed Frenchman. And when you first meet him, he's hella charming. He's very charming. He's very, like, generous. He's very smart. Like, even if you've never read the story, you're like, oh, like, oh, as a... I can sip him. He can be the person I can fangirl over. And that's exactly what happened to Louis in the story. So I think that's a viewer. You're like, I'm feeling what Louis is feeling in this experience. And then as you keep watching the episodes, you start to see, see the dark side of Lestat because we've heard of how he's like basically a villain in the story. But to see him in a way where they don't... I like how they don't misunderstand him. Because I, I think with a lot of today's stuff, especially Disney villains, any type of literary villain, they like to create content where, hey, you know, you know, Corella was a bitch, but this is why she was a bitch. Can you blame her for doing all those horrible things to her puppies? It's like, 
yes, I'm going to blame her. Like, yeah. I like that they don't back down Willistat. I like that they show all his sides. And I like how they show how crazy and possessed and evil he was. And I think it, they do it in a way where it's up to your interpretation, interpretation of, I mean, would you support him? I wouldn't, but would you support him? I mean, we're seeing both sides. We see how he's gentle and loving. Then we see how crazy and corrupt he is. And he does it to everybody. And he doesn't give a fuck. But at the same time, he's beautiful to look like. It's 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 created in that way where you're like, Louis, I understand. That's hard to fight against. But man, you should have walked away. Um, so that shows basically their relationship in this time when you know gay couples were not allowed nevertheless an interracial couple so it's interesting to see how the other people the humans in this town are like the biggest problem with them was they're gay and i'm like the biggest problem they should be scared of is they're vampires because there were literally so much murder going on at least with on the stat side. So it's it's it wasn't till later on when they were like over them being a gay couple. It was more of like, oh no, they've been around for too long. They are some type of evil. No, it 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 it, it gets into that. But um again, it's it it kind of even shows little moments of Lestat trying to talk about his past. Trouble boy was trouble boy. Um, with Louis, he was losing his family. It shows him being like a Catholic family. So again, he was dealing with that as he was becoming a vampire. Um, eventually, he had, you know, if you know the story, he gets a, uh, he saves a girl and Lestat makes her into a vampire, which is Claudia. As you know, with vampire children, that never goes right. She does become to me, in the book, she was crazy. But I like in this story, it shows her not crazy. It shows her struggling her identity in the story. Am I a child? Am I the daughter? Am I the sister? Am I the protector of Louis? Because she's the one that starts to see Lestat's bad for Louis. And she was is the one that wants to protect him. So now we have three vampires with strong personalities living in 1930s, 1940s um, New Orleans, dealing with racism, dealing with classism, dealing with America going to war, uh, dealing with all of this stuff. And um, that's just the past. In the forefront, it's the pandemic is happening. There are so many people dying. Um, The interviewer doesn't have many years to live either. So it's like, it's so much for why does Louis want to tell his story and does he want to die? It's, 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 it's built like that, I think, for people who haven't read the book. And I do that very well. It's not like we're doing everything exactly like the book or it's not like an uh, interpretation like how Will of Power is trying to do or Will of Time is trying to do with their story. It's not like a weird interpretation. It's like a very smart modernization of the book is a great adaptation. I think they did very well in using chunks of the book to build up the world that Louis is, but then give it in a way where people can feel closer to the characters and then at the same time still show the diversity of everything that was really going on in New Orleans in a way. And then at the same time, bring it back to the forefront of how do we feel about this guy who's trying to tell a story, knowing that he murdered so many people for so many years, um, and it's told to a man who is just such an asshole, but he is our human uh, figure. So he is kind of representing us of like asking all these questions and trying to understand like things that would mean a lot to us, but don't mean sh- shit to vampires because vampires live forever. So by the end, there's about seven episodes. Each episode's about 45 to 56 minutes long. The way it ends is, uh, it, it ends on almost like a cliffhanger. It's a quiet cliffhanger um, to me. And part two, I do not know when that comes out, knowing that this was the year of the strike and everything. So we are waiting with bated breath to the next part. Um, it ends in a way where if you've never read the book, this is the time to read the book. And I think there's been so many think pieces from this season, why people were saying it's so good. I understand now. It is freaking good. I would give it a five out of five. 
just for this season alone. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And I love that they are taking more care with the characters. I think before Anne Rice passed, she loved seeing these episodes. Like she's like, this was a great example of my work, of the world I was creating, of the character. She said, this is the best representation of, of Louis that I've seen. Um, and honestly, if Jacob Anderson does not win an award for this role, I that's sad because he is acting his ass off. Like, we knew he was good at Game of Thrones, but check this show out, you guys. You're going to be like, why is he not in more things? Like, he is, this is his best role yet, and I hope to see more stuff from from this. I hope to see more actors from this show in this because they've created such a such a world where I'm like, this is going to be one of the best shows of this time and nobody's talking about it. So I highly recommend checking it out. Even if you don't like vampires, if you just like to hear a crazy ass story with just beautiful, like it has like the, the fashion and everything in that world of Amer- America and New Orleans filmed on site of that time. It's so pretty. It's so exciting. Um, it's, it's just such a great show. And yeah, I, I can't wait for part two or season two, however they're titled it, because damn, it's good. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, okay. Uh, how was the uh, Fang acting? <laughs> the Fang acting was really good. Um, I will say uh, the last big vampire show was True Blood of HBO. Way better than that. So they've gotten it to where it's like you you, you get bit you're dead basically because they're drinking you up and stuff but it's not like dramatic or cheesy it's just like nah bit and done it's like yeah nothing for like it's not even the only time it's like a big a big deal is when Lestat does it to Louis because it's a big moment of him dying basically it's him changing from I'm not a human but now I'm a vampire so it was less dramatic than the movie of because that was so, okay. So now it can, it can only be less. I mean, like, what do you? They, like, it's less than a, that. Way less than that. So okay. the movie okay. again. This was made at a different time, <laughs> and the fact that if I think about the movie, I could not tell you what decade they were trying to do uh, in the movie because they were dressed in so many wigs and stuff. But it was supposed to take place in the early like nineteen. 19- tens like but they were dressed like for the french revolution so i was confused because i was like okay i guess they're going by whatever um and then as you know they tom cruise and brad pitt were not comfortable in engaging in intimate scenes so it felt very like they were roommates like that situation because this was of a different time well we know so why for tom uh, yeah yeah um so everything felt it, didn't, it just felt very stiff and it felt very like, you know, like these are vampires. And when it came to being vampires, it's sexy, sexy, like it's over the top sexy. This to me was more of like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to categorize it. It's like, it's sexy in a way of like, I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of like, I guess premium TV sexy where everyone's beautiful. And even if they kiss is beautiful. Like it was type of, it's that type of stuff. If that makes sense. So uh, let me use an example. So y- y- remember that scene in like the theater where they're like, oh, here's this here's this virgin naked woman. I'm going to drink her for like 20 minutes. Um, right. Was it like that or. OK, so it was OK. That's no, that's how I measure dramatic vampire, I guess. Yeah, yes. So like it wasn't even like stuff wasn't even said like that. Like the dialogue was really smart and respectable in even the scenes that were really hard to talk about for certain characters, even that was done with much care. And I appreciate that because they do not do that in other uh, works. They, they, it's like they learned their role. They learned their role from game of Thrones and they just was the better person. Um, They didn't have any people like naked or anything. Everyone was pretty much clothed. Like, yeah, I think everyone was pretty much clothed when it came to them eating, like biting people. And it wasn't like beautiful people. It was like just your average Joe, your, your 
a school teacher going home. Like it was like it was everybody was getting uh, bitten, eaten and killed in the show where it was like, oh, they're really powerful. Like it was just everybody like they they didn't care. I think the movie was more of like, you know, this person's helpless. This person's beautiful. We have a type. It wasn't like that. It was like anybody could get these fangs, you know, so (laughs) there was no discrimination right there. Whenever I think of vampires, I always think of that Key and Pill sketch where oh he's like, he's like, y'all hardly get any of the blood in your mouth. Get, you get it, you get it all over yourself. Right. You're over there just moaning and groaning. <laughs> like y'all actually have sex because you can go to a room with a little right. rubbing and touching. Get off. Me. Right. I I will say the first episode when you when you see Louis become like he is a baby vampire and he's just fucking up everything like he cannot he cannot like kill the person and or he drinks too much like i like seeing how jacob anderson just really is like like a newborn vampire and he acts like it where he's like fit like even the physical movements of him walking like ah like it's it's really kind of funny and then later on seeing him be like very mature and calm it's like like that's that's impressive to me because i feel like with brad pitt there wasn't much of that difference. It was like, I'm a vampire. Now I'm going to act like this, you know? So um, I like to see, I guess, some well, he got into it, all right. Fingers. He did, but like... He had that he had that vampire lisp and wilt when he, when he became a vampire where that, all his that, actions so, were overly dramatic. So he definitely got into it. Just yeah, and that was... The 90s that, versions of vampires. True. He did have a weird accent, which was like okay y'all not in okay whatever but i like how louis still had his uh new orleans accent the entire time and then in modern day he doesn't have it as much because obviously he's traveled the world so he has like there's certain things he'll say like i will say being a southerner i don't always sound like i'm from the south unless i say certain words it's like that so like in modern day he sounds very like, oh, I've been very, I traveled the world and stuff. But there's certain words where he'll say, and you're like, there's that accent that's still there with you, even after hundreds of years of um, traveling and not being in New Orleans. I, I'm like, it's little things like that. I think even if I watch it again, there's things I'm going to catch where I'm like, oh, I'm seeing how things are set up before stuff happened. Because there's a lot of scenes like that where I'm like, I think I need to watch it again because of what someone said or some foreshadowing that you're probably going to catch on your second or third try of watching it. But yeah, check it out. It's really good. Like, I I promise you, it's really good. Um, I just, I don't know what to say. I hope the team that made this... Uh, I do know that because of their success, they have made another Anne Rice show on AMC called, uh, I think, Mayfair Witches uh, as part of her uh, her supernatural world, building world show. Uh, Everybody gets a, gets a universe. I heard it was yes. not good. Is <laughs> not good? I, heard, well, I don't know. I heard, I heard reviews and I heard it wasn't that great. I want to try to watch it. I don't think it's the same team, but I know like because of the success of this show, there's they were starting to get into her other works. But this so far is a a big show. I know it did get uh, nominated for stuff beginning of this year, but I just I I like why did it not get nominated enough? At least for Jacob, I did not see him like up there that much, which. It's so surprising because I was like, um, he's acting his act like Louis. Like now he's not Grey Worm to me. He's Louis. He is Louis forever now. Hey, well, I mean, hopefully the show does well. Um, and hopefully uh, the Mayfair wishes does well as well because I know one of the uh, actresses in the mo- in the show. So Kiara Milliner, good luck. Uh, I love the oh. show. Hopefully y'all get a season two. Oh, nice. That's so cool. She plays a character, Odette. So if you do watch the show again, she plays Odette. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll look for her for sure. Yay. Yeah, that's my uh, review. Um, I think I'm going to turn it to you, Marla, because you have some sci-fi uh, stuff to talk oh, about now. 
Yes, I do, uh, in part due to our collective chagrin. So this was uh, a game that I don't want to redo history, Raymond. Did you tell us about this game first and then we started keeping it more? I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how it came because. I don't think it was on my radar until at a certain point I was like, "Oh, this That's is that game." Possible. Either I, way, I, it That's was possible, it yeah. was it was building itself up to be a big deal, and it wasn't the big deal that it wanted to be, but it was certainly a big deal once it came out. Hit them with it, Marlon. Oh yeah, it was interesting, and we all got it. We all got it, and we were all super excited, and we we all logged in, and then almost immediately. The issues came raining down. I was (laughs) shooting people outside of the car. Hard crash. We think maybe it's just, you know, that new age, new game, day one jitters where it's going to be terrible that first day, but it it didn't get better the second day or the third day or the fourth day, or it it didn't get better for a while, folks. Uh, And it definitely calls uh, a lot of fun and and a lot of flack. Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, went down in history as one of those games that had a huge kerfuffle out the gate. I mean, it it was being compared to the likes of Assassin's Creed Unity in terms of it was worse games that, that were a bit broken. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, going to say, go. what? There you go. <laughs> and it rolled out in a terrible, sorry state. The CD Projekt Red had to make a statement about it. Shareholders got involved. There was a whole interpersonal company kerfuffle. People were buying for replacements and wanting to sue the company because they were lied to. It just caused a lot of issues. Um, and here we are, three years or so later. Yeah, it's gotta be. Been. It's gotta it's, be three years. It's crap. been three it's years. Crap. It came out December 2020 or November Holy 2020. Crap. Three years, folks. Three years later, they released update 2.0, which is a major overhaul. And have they have gone on stating, this is the game we wanted <laughs> to release. <laughs> three years, y'all. Took the three initial years to release the game they wanted to release. Um personal feelings about that aside i'm here to tell you i logged back into my ps5 re-uploaded the game and i dove right back into night city to see uh what if at all changed about this universe uh and i'm here to say uh for the hour or two i've gone into it one there are crazy changes that are really helpful two the game runs smoother and three i feel like even though i've played it sparingly before it feels a way lot better and more fun in this recent version and i'm going to tell you some things why the first reason uh when you level up in parks in the skill tree it's very stagnant you can kind of read some things they've redone the entire perk tree completely to where you can hover over things and it shows you what it does it gives you uh, tentative stat outbreaks. It even uh, goes into new skills like Headhunter, uh, Shinobi. It, it adds more details to each of them. And more importantly, it finally decided to add something even bigger, which is they, if you saw Cyberpunk 2077, they released that Netflix show and if it was, it was a big hit. People loved it. Um, in that show, they talked about some of the things we thought would be in the game. One of which was the fact that you can get so much cyberware that you might potentially malfunction and become a cyber psycho or, or cyber psychosis. Well, in this game, you can add multiple uh, different types of these um, new bio bodies and potentially get to the point where you could get a boost as a you know as a positive or a negative stat or have attributes of cyberpsychosis because you're adding more things to you, which is really cool to see. You can also upgrade your cyberware, which is big because it means you can, if you like a certain piece of cyberware, you could put more points into it by doing what? Trashing all the useless things in the game you just would trash and throw away, get more money. Now you can get these little like bit points that go to your cyberware to increase it so you might not even have to buy another piece of it, which is great. And even more importantly, more fun, uh, the police work in a much better way now. 
Um, if I shoot a person, they don't just appear. There's like an APB and then these little blue dots. You can see all of them on the map and they go and they find you and they run after you and they chase after you. You got one star. And of course, like GTA, the higher you get, the more crazy it gets. Uh, and what's even better is that you can get in your vehicle and shoot at them uh, finally and have robots in your car that have little Batman Gatling guns on the hood of your vehicle to blast people because this is a super cyber world and why wouldn't you have these things? So they've added way more like weapons. Um, they fixed a ton of the NPCs uh, because they were the main problem uh, and they just really were always in the way but now they have a lot more uh, AI to direct them around. So it does feel better. It feels crispier and I'll see what happens. Like, yeah, it feels real crispy. It feels, the game has the the game has some crunch now. It's got some crunch in it. Uh, but no, it feels better. And I think had had this game come out the way it was now, when it was supposed, or when it was originally going to be dropped, I think we'd be saying a different story about the game. But currently, it's giving. Um, what was that game where you got a chance to go to worlds and no man's mind no, uh, no man's sky right now people are giving it the no man's sky kind of head nod of like okay you fixed it but it was a little rough at the beginning um <clears throat> marlon but did yeah. you have to rebuy it or were you able to like you we got it did we get a ps5 copy when we bought it back in the day no, I think what ended up happening was I got it refunded on my PC because it just didn't work. And I remember I had purchased it for the PS5. And so, and I took it off once. I just couldn't play it anymore because it was just, it kept crashing. I just went back in and just redownloaded the entire uh, file. Yeah, I just can't remember if, like, when I bought I bought it on PS4, I never got a refund for it. So I don't remember Ooh. if this was one of the games back then that was like, ah, oh, if you buy it on PS4, you also get the PS5 copy. I just don't remember where that was, but I think it was I one of those so. games, and I think they maybe were trying to because they I were like, so. please, we need some good press so. here. So yeah, I think you could probably upgrade it, and yeah, the 2.0 update. Yeah, it's really good. Do you know how big the update is? Like, if like say I think I did the same thing as you. I just got rid of it but i can re-download it do you know the size of that uh file i think it's uh 38 gigabytes the game oh that's small no i think that no i think i think the 2.0 update is 38 not the game no it's it, it was like a lot, right? I remember when yeah, downloading so the it, like, game it was is, huge. The, the game's a whole other download, but then the played. update is okay. 38 gigs. I didn't know if like they were just whooshing it all together where it's like a new reformed game where now it's like you download 200 gigs they of probably whatever. Did. So, okay. Okay, because I was wondering that too, like re-downloading and then it updating. I'm wondering how big that file is for some of us. I know for like me... I purchased, I didn't even purchase it. it. I download Cyberpunk when it was a free game on PlayStation 5 for the the membership thing. Because I was uh, like, you guys had money over not buying it. So I had just saved it in my uh, PSP library. And then when I played it, I didn't get very far because I was like, this is boring. <laughs> um, and so I took it off. But now I'm like, oh, well... I'm guessing when you re-download it, it'll be like new logo, new everything. Does it come on different too? Um, the logo and everything is the same, but when you start it up, it'll tell you like, hey, like you should check out all these new features we got. And then it'll kind of describe it there. But everything looks the same. It is once you get into like the menu and the character selection, there are updates uh, and there are like new little icons. And even when you go to your first Ripper Doctor, they go through a lot of the new changes with you like hey this is being added here and it does this now to kind of like really okay. show you the overall picture of it so i know that you kind of dabbled in starfield compared to starfield now and some cyberpunk what what would you recommend and why right well, now starfield uh, almost detonated my pc so i didn't get too far into that. oh my gosh <laughs> So if, it was, so if it was too powerful to run, I thought, oh, I could do it a recommended minimum settings. Absolutely could not. At some point, oh, the game no. literally took me to some kind of like 
cut scene that involved a black hole and my computer just froze immediately <laughs> the moment so we like went, <laughs> the moment because like it like pulls out and you see this like big black hole expansion and the computer's like nah i can't handle that i can't handle concept conceptualizing what a black hole is right now on the screen um but i'm sure it's going to be great what i have been surprised by and this could just be my own personal bias when it comes to what i consume i haven't been seeing a lot of starfield news though or like posts on social media i've seen a lot of baldur's game but i haven't seen as many starfield like i think i saw the potato thing but that was yeah. the only thing i've seen about starfield and was the, the potato building. thing i saw that's the last thing i saw was people building ships and but i did hear that for the month of september it started off high but it fell and baldur's gate overtook that spot again for them like it surpassed it because um, i think what happened was kind of like what happened to you or people didn't get into it as much because i've heard as a very long story and it takes a hot minute like in skyrim how it takes a hot minute to kind of get into the heart of story i think people kind of took a break and went back to baldur's gate for their you know their getaway stuff or some people turned to cyberpunk and i've heard just non-stop great news about it and um the stuff that they rediscovered in this since the update it's been a lot of positive people are like really into the show of uh, the they've also added much more uh head nods to the anime or the animation that they dropped with netflix so they keep adding and partnering with that a lot to like hint at this world that people really enjoyed so they're just like hey we're still that same world so they're really pushing that uh and right now it's definitely getting a lot of um, you know, props and put-ups for this recent update, and I think what has been great amid all the people being like, oh, this game feels so great, or like, oh, this game was always great, but now it's even better, are the people who are like, hey, let's not allow people to revise what happened here. Multiple people bought a game that did not work for multiple different types of people, and we either got a refund, or we just ate that cost and dealt with it. What came out now should have been what we got earlier and there should have been and honestly there are people who are saying we shouldn't even have to pay for the dlc because if we've had the game for this long and we haven't been able to play it until now why are you spending 30 dollars on another ad of this game but among the positivity there's a lot of questioning and i'm sure uh cd project red will again are always going to have this in the back of their minds when they release new things and i think they're going to be really mindful about releasing stuff um or hopefully they will be <laughs> from now on um, I do have a question. Do we know if they had new, like, new people join that team to revitalize this new launch, or was it the same? The only reason I'm asking is not only have they compared this into, like, this comeback from, like, No Man's Sky, but they also compare it to Final Fantasy XIV because when Final Fantasy XIV first came out, same shit where it was a mess and it didn't take until they got, like, a whole nother team come in cleaned it up and this was like it was going on for two years they cleaned it up re-released it and it became you know a very like the number one mmo of the of the time so like i am curious if they did the same thing where did they bring anyone on board and they were the one that saved the project uh i don't know it's a very good question i do not have the insight on that at all no, but. i'm gonna go i'm gonna go look that up because i i and that is what happened i've seen a, a a pattern of when games go not as great they have to get somebody from somewhere else and then they kind of make it a little I bit think, better or modern I think they the, save i mean <laughs> i mean i think the last i heard they were moving a lot of their people over to the witcher 4. hmm interesting well because i mean because i mean that's going to be like their next big money maker right. so i think they're like well this is already fucked let's try to fix it but also let's make sure that we get extra support on our next big game that we're trying to keep going on here it's like Which, one of our flagship names right and i'm i'm really positive that they learned from this experience especially creating another witcher game because okay. One can only hope. TV show. Let's, that's that's another Geek Force episode that I'm waiting for for that moment. Um, so yeah, so you recommend uh, going back to Cyberpunk, or if you haven't had Cyberpunk, would you recommend people to grab it now to play, or what? If you already have it, I would say it's good to re-download it. 
Um, if you have access to some kind of free thing where you can get a free game, and Cyberpunk is one of those free games, feel free. Um, I'd be careful not to to buy it full price because you might not like it. Um, I think right now it's yeah, it's 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 sixty bucks on Steam. Uh, so hey, if you got it, what if you got it like that though? Would no, you say no, go if, for it? If, <laughs> if like that, go for it. I just really want to just like teach some people a lesson. So I'm like, I don't want to outright say buy it now, but. <laughs> You know what? Right. If you're if you're looking for a fun FPS uh, cyberpunk world, it, it's a fun. You should definitely get it, um, and hopefully try to use you know um, maybe honey or some other type of coupon system to purchase this game. Yep, or just be patient. It might come around again for another PlayStation sale, which happens literally every uh, month and a half, I believe, to get it. Nice, nice. That makes me happy because I definitely want to jump back into that world and give it a chance, especially after seeing that cinematic trailer. The second one that came out with Idris Elba, I was like, am I watching a movie or is this the video game? It's the video game. And I was like, oh, I'm sold for the with the trailer alone. And listeners, if you haven't seen it, definitely look up the cinematic two trailer of cyberpunk 277 phantom liberty because it's a it's a setup of like a action thriller movie but it's the game it felt like i was watching taken but starring idris elba that's what it felt like (laughs) i have been looking forward to actually being able to play that game because if marlon you're right and i was kind of the one to recommend it to the group like uh uh, I feel bad, but you know who knows. Uh, whoever knows when that's happening. There, but they are the reason why my giant policy kicked in of never again will I get got like this. Uh, that was the game that yes. set it off. Race philosophy. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, I mean, I'm still laughing today. You said Ray is immune to FOMO, and uh, yes, uh, <laughs> that's who uh, Cyberpunk is one of the reasons why uh, this this was heartened into my. <laughs> Uh, into my soul so uh, I'm glad that everyone has been giving it a lot of praise it has fixed a lot of things it has because um, I like I, I had at least a friend or two that did finish it and like um, even over the you know the next year after they did some of those uh, updates to kind of get it somewhere and they played it on PC with mods and stuff where like it became playable and things like there's a couple of friends of mine that were like the game there's a lot of cool stuff in this game and I really hope everyone really gets mm-hmm. to actually see it one day because it it, 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 was, it was very clear a lot of people spent time we just bought an early access version and didn't realize that's what we were buying uh, three years ago so Uh, it's too bad but you know here we are now dlc i if there's a lot to this dlc i don't feel as bad paying into it because uh you know they somebody's got to pay Idris Elba's check and uh and like just you know if they did if there's a lot that adds to the game through this then great like the the people that played this game on pc and got the mods and were able to play it and enjoy it they will enjoy the heck out of this dlc also and everyone coming back like us um will see everything at once and be like holy shit they they did fix this game thanks Dang, just another game to add to uh our 2023 list to check out or play Spider-Man 2 is coming. If you are an Elder Ring player, that DLC is coming. There's still... This year's not over yet, so... What's game of the year? 2023. Uh, that, I can't wait to have that conversation. Exactly. I can't wait for that Geek Force episode. <laughs> a very hard year. We all have our own opinions of what and because of our experiences and what, but at the same time, it's like, what is the media going to say and... And what is the reason? Like, I am very curious. I am seeing things being nominated already for, like, game shows and stuff, like, best community and stuff. So I'm like, I haven't even looked up 
the list of the game of the year. Yeah, yeah it's not. It's not time to look yet. We, yeah, a couple of these, yeah, a couple of these yep, games yep, have yep. to launch successfully first uh, to yeah. even be up we there. We last year with a uh, God of War Ragnarok <laughs> that released near the end of the year, like not even a month later, it is game of the year, or at least for some of the game shows. And I was just like, "Well, God dang!" Like for some of the things <laughs> it came out like. And what's likely is the one that's going to still win, even though it came out, uh, what, six months ago now, seven months ago now, is good old Taki, good old Zelda. Because it's still a year where that game came out. that game, yeah. That's still going on. Um, This has been a very long, it has been a very long but very quick year, because to think of like in the beginning of the year, I remember when the Hogwarts Legacy drama dropped, but then it was breaking records of like everyone was playing and then True. like i remember when the diablo 4 sh- shit came out i don't even play diablo 4 but i know way too much about the game because of friends playing it like there's just so much to that's talk about. that's what that uh, you know in a different universe <laughs> oh, wow. that would be a game of year contender but it that didn't launch be, successfully but. so <laughs> it didn't <laughs> But it was, it was, yeah. I, I think we'll have, we'll have. A, that's another Geek Force episode. It's just talking about the games of the year. And I think since it's still happening, I think that's probably going to be more of an end of the year thing. But I'm, I'm happy for Cyberpunk. I'm happy for this comeback. And hey, if this is just the first of a successful DLC, I am looking forward to seeing what other DLCs they can add to make this world keep going. Because I think this is a world that's worth mm-hmm. keeping and exploring. For, for many, many years to come. Um, anything else yeah. that you want to talk about before we are good to go? Okay, cool. Well, thank you, y'all, for the topics that we talked about today. It was awesome. Um, but listeners, thank you for joining us on this journey and for choosing Geek Force as your show of the day. If you like this episode don't forget to hit subscribe and stay connected to future episodes on our social media facebook twitter instagram and of course geekforcepodcast.com that being said uh, stay cool stay healthy be spooky and keep going This episode of Quest On Media's Geek Force was produced in Richmond, California.